I don't know if you remember seeing that, but you know, some time ago there were some kids, there was 12 kids and a coach who got stuck. And I don't know if you've ever been stuck in an elevator. I haven't, you know, you see it on TV, but it's never happened to me. But I can't imagine, you know, being trapped in a cave where there's water. And you see those boys, they're in shorts, t-shirts, they just got done playing, you know, soccer, football. And for days, days, wondering, am I gonna make it out alive? Have you ever been in a spot in your life, ever, ever in your life, where you're wondering, will I make it through this day? Will I make it to tomorrow? And, and when you're in a, in a desperate situation like that, I think there's a few things that come to our minds. One is, maybe for some of us, we would think about, man, I wish I never did that 10 years ago. You know, I wish I didn't, you know, um, punch my mom in the arm, you know, I'm just being nice. I wish I didn't say that to, you know, this person, or I wish I didn't do that. And then sometimes we're starting to think, you know, we're, so we're thinking in the past, and then we start thinking about the moment, and we're thinking, man, you know, for those kids that were playing soccer, and then they get trapped for days, they're thinking, man, I wish I would have kicked the winning goal right and how many of us every single day we know that we live in a moment right that in a, in a day there's 24 hours of course most of us in this room do not stay awake for 24 hours some of us maybe do once in a while which we don't recommend because sleep is good for you especially when it's flu season but anyway you get sleep you get rest every day and how many of us wake up and say you know what today I need to make the best of this day today. It's, it's a new day, the sun is out, it's a change in season, you know, it's fallback Sunday, it's winter, Christmas is coming, turkeys are coming, stuffing is coming, I've gotta make it through another day. There are good things ahead. And, and so we're thinking, and, and sometimes in desperate situations, we're thinking about our past and maybe some things that we could change. We're thinking about our present moment and what could I do to be a better person? But then it also, if you're ever in a desperate situation, one of the biggest things that we think about is the future because we're asking ourselves, am I gonna survive? Am I gonna survive? And so this kind of thought, and we're thinking past, present, and future as we get into our verses for today, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which is really hard to read up there, but I'm gonna read it for you, and then I'm gonna read it in four different translations. So 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, we live by believing, not by seeing. That was NLT. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 in NIV, we live by faith, not by sight. NIV, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, New King James, for we walk by faith, not by sight. The uh, amplified version, which is really interesting, says we walk by faith, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or beliefs respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk, not by sight or by appearance. You know, what's crazy is, so if you look at just 2 Corinthians 5, 7, in um, the NIV, we live by faith, not by sight. Turn to your neighbor and say, we live by faith, not by sight. And then when someone wrote the Amplified Version, they got real crazy because they took those, those few short words and they said this, we walk by faith, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, with trust and a holy fervor, thus we walk, not by sight or by appearance. 
So Apostle Paul wrote this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and he was talking about, of all things, tents. Have any of you ever gone tent camping before? Apostle Paul wrote this verse, 2, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and he was describing these bodies kind of like a tent. And he was saying these bodies and our time here on earth is temporary, but one day we're going to pass from this life and we're going to pass into the next life. And he was speaking about the future. And how many of us, I can remember being in high school, and I can even remember going way back before that. I can remember my first time snow skiing. I don't know if any of you in here snow skied before. I love it. haven't done it for years. but So my best friend at the time, Brian, his dad uh, is taking us snow skiing. We're going up to Big Bear in a little Yugo. I don't know if you guys remember those little cars, Yugos. That thing probably was a two cylinders. We're driving up Big Bear. You know, you can push from the back faster. But anyway, so we're driving out to Big Bear. My best friend Brian, he's sleeping in the back seat. And I'm 11 years old, and I'm talking to my friend's dad, who was a pastor, and I, and I just started asking him about, well, how do you know God's real? How do you know if heaven's real? And I can, I can remember, I don't remember, the funny thing is, I have no idea what he said, because that was like, you know, 10 years ago. But I just remember asking those questions. Like, they were, they were deep questions in my, my heart and mind. But the, you know what they were? They were questions about the future. And I can remember being a teenager, you know, in high school. Sometimes Friday nights, you know, high school kids in town, we used to get together, and we would talk about the afterlife, and we would talk about weird things. How many of us have ever been in a conversation asking, thinking, wondering what's next? What's going to happen next? And so Paul, speaking in 2 Corinthians, he says, listen, these bodies are temporary. They're like tents. But one day we're going to get a new body when we pass from this life to the next life. And he comes out with this verse, we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. Because it takes faith to believe what's going to happen next. It takes faith. Now, some people today, they don't want to believe in heaven or hell. They don't want to believe in the afterlife. They don't want to believe in any of those things, right? So let's take a step back and ask ourselves, do people have faith? Now, how many of us have ever been in love before? Maybe we don't want to admit it. But how many of us have been in love and also been dumped and brokenhearted and then had to find ourselves, guess what we had to find ourselves? Believing in love again. Love, the word, isn't something that you can see. It's something that you deeply feel right? And so as Paul says, we walk by faith, and we, and we don't walk by what we see. He's describing, and he's setting the image of thinking and hoping for the future. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's about the future. It's about the future. Because if you've ever had anything horrible happen to you, you're thinking a better tomorrow, right? Remember little Annie? The sun will come out when? Tomorrow. The sun's going to come out when? tomorrow. So how many of us have been trained that we need to have hope for what? Tomorrow, right? The elections are this week. Some people are talking and, and hopefully the elections go good and, and things happen in a positive way. And so we may have hope that there could be good things coming, but who knows, right? For tomorrow. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew's getting it. Hope for tomorrow. And so as we start a new series, Walking by Faith, there's a few things that we want to keep in our minds as we do this. We're thinking of the past, 
We're thinking of the present. We're thinking of the future. And most, most, most importantly, the future. Because it's all about what happens tomorrow. It's all about what happens tomorrow. Today's important, right? We know that today is football Sunday. There's going to be some football games. The World Series is over, so everyone can just, right? The Astros beat the Phillies, even though we all wanted most of us, the Phillies, to win. So that's long gone, right? We don't have to worry about baseball anymore. And so today we're worried about lunch, maybe. If you got a donut and you've got enough sugar, maybe you won't need lunch. But there are things that we've started thinking about today. And how many of us have already started thinking about this week? So, as we start this series, we're going to be looking at some people in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at some people in the New Testament. But we're decided to go to the Old Testament. Because sometimes, how many of us know being old is cool, right? Being older is awesome. So we're going to start in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, it's Job chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, which looks like Job, but we're going to say Job. And that man was blameless. He was upright and one who feared God and he shunned evil. Seven sons, three daughters. This was my goal, but I didn't quite get there yet. Seven sons, three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. He was an east-sider. Verse 13, skipping down. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and he said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and they took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, and also another came up and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and it burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I have alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 17. While he was still speaking, another came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, and they killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And yet, while he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house, older brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they're dead. And I'm alone, have escaped to tell you. Verse 20. Then Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and he worshipped, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord has given, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. Last couple verses. Job chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the soles of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. 
But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women who speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. And so this morning as we paint this beautiful picture of Job and everything horrible that he went through, it stated that Job, he was a spiritual man. He was a mature man. He was upright, and he feared God. Sounds like a good dude, right? Job was a good guy. He was spiritually mature. He was upright, and he feared God. For Job, he was probably living, most people would say, a full life. He had faith. He had family. And then he had hundreds and thousands of what? Animals. And to them back then, that was your wealth. If you had a lot of animals... That was your wealth. That was your money. And so for, for most people, they'd look at Job, and they'd say, man, this dude was living. He was living a pretty good life. But in the middle of his life, there's something that happened in between. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hate it when something happens in between. Right? It's just such a bummer. And what happened in between? There was this guy. His name is called the accuser. Turn to your neighbor and say, who was he? He was the accuser. Whew. Revelation 12.10 said this, I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, and it has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters. There was an accuser of brothers and sisters who went before God. And in this story, I didn't read it because I decided to leave it out this morning. The accuser goes to God, and they start having a conversation. And they're having a conversation about who? They're having a conversation about Job. And God is saying, man, do you see my guy, Job? He's awesome. Just like God says about all of us, right? Just the same things that he said about Job. You know that God says about us. You see Andrew. Do you see, you know, Irma? Do you see Valerie? They're awesome, right? All the same things that God said about Job, he'd said about us. And Satan says to God, well, Job's only awesome because he's rich. And he says to God, if I take away all his money, he's going to curse you. Satan goes... And we, we, we read it, and it was horrible. And it has probably one of the worst days than anyone can even imagine. Because in this story, he loses every single penny that he has. The richest man alive in this moment loses all of his wealth. It's like taking all your money, investing it in Bitcoin, and then it just dies, right? How many people, you know, they lose thousands sometimes and millions in investments. And so for Job in this story, in one breath, he's, he's having a, some time with his wife. He's relaxing. And servant after servant comes. And he's having just a horrible day because what are they saying? You've lost everything. You're done. And at the very end, it gets even worse because what happens? He says, and you just lost your ten kids your seven sons, and your three daughters. I can't imagine. Now, I've had a bad day. I've had bad days. You know, sometimes you have a pimple, and it hurts really bad in your face, and you just don't want to work, right? How many of us, we've stubbed our toe, and we can't put our shoe on because it hurts, and it's a bad day. How many of us, we've had horrible days. You know, our friends are sick, our family's hurting, and it's a bad day. But to lose every single dollar, penny, everything of worth in your life, and then to lose, lose all your kids, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I, and I feel horrible, you know, for people who have, um, you know, lost kids. 
I know my boss, one of my ex-bosses, lost one of his daughters who drowned in a pool. And I can't imagine, you know, being in that position where losing one of your kids, but to lose everything, everything, every single thing, every penny, and all your kids in one day. That's a bad day. Now, is it worse than most of our bad days? Probably, right? Probably, right? And you know what's horrible? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is really horrible. The accuser, you know what he does? He's a little frustrated. Because remember, he was betting that Job was going to curse God after he lost everything. But you know what happened? Job didn't curse God. He worshipped. What do you mean he worshipped? Job loses everything and he worshipped? Is the guy crazy? If we lose five bucks, how many of us, we want to say a few choice words, you know? How many of us have ever been, you know, ripped off, someone stolen? We have a few choice words. This man in this story loses everything. And what does he do? He worships? What? He's crazy. So Satan, he's a betting man. He goes back to God and he says, you know what? Okay, fine. So we took it all and he didn't curse you. But I bet you, if you let me hurt him physically then he's going to curse you to your face. He's going to be so, so mad. For Job, he has a second bad day. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's oh, that second bad day. Whew, it's a killer. Job gets these boils, painful sores. He gets nightmares. He gets scabs that are, are peeling all over his body that are black. His face becomes defigured, his body. He has an ugly appearance. He's got bad breath. He's so thin that it's like scary thin. He's running a high fever, and he's in pain day and night. Now, the first day, extremely horrible because you lose your money and your kids, right? And, and to me, that's probably still more painful than when it, when it hurts yourself, right? When you have kids, I don't know if you've ever, you know, been in that position, you have kids and you look at your kids and they're crying and it, sometimes it hurts more than if you were in pain, right? To see your kids cry, to see your precious, beautiful girls cry, it's the worst and it's so hard. So the, I think the first day was worse than the second because in the second day, as bad as it is, he's hurting himself. And I, and I love the conversation that is, as Job is probably feeling like he's dying, his wife comes home and says, can you just curse God and die? How many of us in, in awkward moments say the weirdest things, right? And, and I'm not faulting Job's wife because not only did Job lose his kids, but who also lost kids his wife right she's probably a little hurty right she's probably got some hurt feelings going on because she lost 10 of her kids she lost 10 kids she lost seven boys and three girls i can't imagine she's having a bad day so she sees all their money gone but then she sees her precious little babies killed and she's looking at her husband who, again, it says he's disfigured, he's in pain, he's got black scabs all over his body. And so what does she say? First thing that comes to her mind, curse God and die. Get out of here. Let me go find a new man, right? Just kidding. She didn't say all that. Job turns to his wife and says, again, second comment that to me blows my mind. Should I not accept only good? that comes from God and not bad as well? 
He's in pain. He's lost everything. He's nothing. And he's saying, nothing in this moment is going gonna, is gonna to cause me or move me to say something bad of God. If God wants to give me good, awesome. If God wants to give me bad, so be it. And in this moment, the craziest, and, it, and it's so crazy to me, because how does he say this in, in this moment? How does he say and how does he keep his heart and his mind with such a good attitude? How many of us have ever had a bad attitude before? How many of us have ever said a few things that we wish we could, you know, take back? I mean, I, I probably have at least two, right? I'm sure you guys uh, at least have a couple out there as well. But how does he in this moment said such, like, I can't even imagine not getting angry, not wanting to curse God, not wanting to curse his wife, but yet just worshiping and falling on his knees in worship as he loses everything? Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we can't see. Through faith, people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now that was the NIV, New Living. This is the Amplified. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for. Turn to your neighbor and say, we hope for. Being the proof of things that we do not see in the conviction of the reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we see in this story, Job, he starts and he, he's walking by faith. Job is walking by faith. He's setting this, he has this assurance that no matter what he's gone through, no matter what has happened to him, there's a substance in his life. There's confirmation that he has in his heart, mind, and soul. There's substance, there's evidence, there's assurance of one thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's this one thing. One thing. He has a really good foundation. How many of us have ever been in the construction business, and, and most of us would know, even if we weren't, that having a good foundation is really important. One of the things that I get to do during the week is sell food to restaurants, and I've had a customer one time, and they spent $12 million on this property, but one of the reasons they had to spend $12 million, because this building that was a two-story building in the mountains of Idlewild, there was, the foundation was being eroded away, and they had to completely redo everything. I got a guy in Hemet here who owns 27 properties, and, and, and half of those properties had to redo the foundation, because believe it or not, in the old days in downtown Hemet, some of those buildings weren't done correctly. And so he spent, he spent so far, like, I don't know, a couple million dollars rebuilding, redoing the foundation. How many of us know that the foundation, if we're gonna build our own house, wouldn't that be exciting? Pick whatever land you want, the best in Hemet. You get to pick out your house, pick out everything. But no matter how beautiful your house is, if you want your house to be there and remain, remain for a long time, you want it to have a really good, strong foundation. Matthew 7, 24 says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a rock. Though the rain comes, torrents, the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. 
When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. How many of us remember being little and doing something really, really stupid? And then you're talking with an adult and they say, well, if your friend told you to jump off the bridge, would you? I'm sure we've possibly said that before and I'm sure maybe it has been said to us. Because in life we learn, it's kind of about who you listen to. It's about who you listen to. And all of us this morning in here, we listen to someone or something. There are things that we listen to. There's people that we listen to. There's people that we look up to. There's people that we look down to. But more than, more than anything that is really, really extremely important, Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows is a wise person. Anyone who listens to this, anyone who listens to the Word of God and then follows it is a wise. And that person who listens to the Bible and that person who follows it to the best of their ability says it's like a house that's built on a rock and then no matter what happens to you, you won't crash because you've built your house on something solid. And so this morning as we talk about walking by faith, and as we've talked about faith, and it's this confident assurance of something that's coming, right? It's having hope in the future. So we've talked about Job, as now we read Jesus and foundation. The biggest question is, is how are we building our foundation? You know, we've got another 50, 60 years to go. We've got at least, right? Maybe, maybe who knows? I mean, the world could end next week, but if it doesn't, the rest of us in here in our age, we've got, we could live, right? Another 40 years easily. And if we're gonna live another 30, 20, 10, five years, what's the foundation that I've built within? Who, is, who, is, who have I listened to the most in my life, which has brought me to the point where I am today? What is the foundation? So as we think about Job, we start pulling things together. Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. And what I wanted to say today as we start our theme, Walking by Faith, the number one thing that when it comes to faith and we're thinking past, present, and future, to understand in my life what's really important is to understand when I came here, I had nothing, and when I leave here, I'm also going to have nothing. And so then do I live my life for what I have now, or should I live my life for what I'm going to have then? You see, uh, months ago we had a theme, I don't know if you guys remember, but we talked about there was an old saying in the church, so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And I, and I think, you know, back in the old days, if you remember that, when people used to say that, there used to be Christians who walked around, and, and no matter what would happen, they'd be, thank you, Jesus, you know, thank you, Lord. And so sometimes people would look at them and be like, ah, oh, they're crazy. Those crazy Christians, they're always saying, thank you, Jesus, right? And so people, they penned and they wrote out this saying, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Problem is today, most of us will become so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good either. Because we have, how many of us have ever been on an airplane? Now when you go on an airplane, I don't know about you, have you ever been on an airplane and it, you have turbulence? And then all of a sudden, even if you weren't a praying person, how many people with the turbulence just started praying real quick? God, help me. Why are you praying? Because you're having hope for the future. 
because you want to make it to the destination. All of us in here, we have a destination, which is called heaven. Some of us could get there a little sooner than others. And if that is where our lives are headed, do we live out of where we're going, or do we live out of where we've been, or do we live from where we are today? If we live from where we've been, how many of us know when we look about the, when we think about the past, the past usually is good and bad experiences, correct? In all of our past, when we think back, I can tell you all my good choices that I made, and then I can tell you all the bad choices that I made. When we think about the present moment, when we're thinking about how we're living today, most of us would say, I want to live good today. I want to have a nice day today. I want to eat well. I want to do well. Most people try to say, you know, carpe diem, seize the day, make the most of today. Most people live by those things, live for today. But when it comes to the future, when we think about the future, most people are only thinking money, and they're only thinking finances, and they need to put away for retirement. I need to put away for when I die. And how many people are truly living for the moment when you step from this life into the next life? Because it's going to happen. It will happen to all of us in here. There will come a time when we will pass from this life into next. And so God is asking, God is saying, you have hope to make it through this day. You have hope to get off an airplane when it's shaky. You have hope when there's an 8.0 earthquake and the ground is shaking. You have hope. You want to survive. You want to live. You want to do something. We all have something inside of us that says, I want to survive. I want to live. I want to thrive. We have faith in all kinds of things. We have faith in, in airplane pilots. We have faith in chauffeurs sometimes. We have faith in our friends when they're driving, even though they're horrible at it and we want to tell them they stink. We still let them drive because we have faith that they're going to get us there. So many of us, there's so many people in our world today say they don't have faith in anything or anyone. But really... If you've been on an airplane, I would say you have faith. If you've ever gotten into a vehicle, I would say you have faith. If you've ever been in love, I would say you have faith. If you've ever had a kid, I would say you have faith. You're believing for something. And so the question is, Job said, I've lost everything. I've lost everything. I came into this world with nothing, but you know what? I'm also going to leave with nothing. And so he points out and he says to us this morning in his first response, listen, the greatest life you can live, it's not for yesterday. It's not even for this moment. But it's the understanding that there's always going to be something better ahead. That very first verse that I read to you when Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight, He's saying that because he's saying, I'm living for a better day ahead. I've been, Apostle Paul, I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been tortured. I've gone through so much. And in my mind, everything that I've gone through doesn't even matter. Because what? I know that there's a better day ahead. Something better is coming. For Job, he says, listen, my second response that he responds, and he responds to his wife is, I will take whatever God gives me, good and bad. And so Job, as we, we start this series, he gives us a great example 
of what to follow. He gives us a great example in our life that no matter what happens to us, if today is good, I'm going to praise God. If today is horrible, I'm still going to praise God. No matter what happens to me, I'm going to start with the basic understanding that faith at the very, very beginning, faith is not put into what I have, but it's put into who I know. Faith at the very, 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 very beginning. It's not in all the things that I collect, even though I have a coin collection. It's not put in cars, even though I like driving cars. It's not put in money, even though I'd like to have more money. Faith, the very basic, best faith that all of us can have. It's not in what we have, but it's in who we know. We came to this earth with nothing, and when we pass, we're going to leave with nothing. Job walked by faith. He had confidence. He had insurance and evidence that no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. How many of us have ever thought, and, and I, I'm going to read you how his story ends, but how many of us have ever thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how the pain, the torture, the, the feelings that are so overwhelming, how in the heck am I going to get through this? For Job, I have to wonder for this poor man in this story. He didn't have only one bad day. He had two bad days. Did he make it through? He did. Do you know how the story ends? Job 42.10 says this. The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends, and indeed the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Twice. Turn to your neighbor and say twice. My gosh. 42.14, it goes on. It says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, double, 6,000 camels, double, 1,000 yoke of oxen, double, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven more sons, three more daughters, seven more sons, three more daughters, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce their names because I couldn't. Verse 15, and in all the land there was found no woman as beautiful as Job's daughters, and the father gave them as an inheritance. He gave them an inheritance just like their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children, his grandchildren, for four generations until Job died, old, old, and full of life. Couldn't that be something that all of us in the goal to live a nice, long, full life? And for this man in this story, it didn't really matter how it began, because he said it began with nothing. And for Job in his mind, it didn't really matter how it ended, because he knew at the end, it's going to end for me. I don't need anything. But the one thing, the one thing that separates us, the one thing that connects us, the very first video I played, I, I played that video because I wanted to give you a picture, and, and most of us can remember seeing that on TV, these poor kids who were trapped in a cave under, underground, right? What are they doing? They're hoping to make it. They're hoping to survive. They're believing. They're having faith. I'm sure some of them were praying. Some of them were probably start talking to the air, and they didn't even know who they're talking to. Why? Because they were facing death. They didn't know what was going to happen. Death does weird things to us. Danger does weird things to us. But you know what it does? It brings out the faith in you. Hard times brings out the faith in us. For whatever reason, this country, you see America, 
and around the world. What does hard times do? It brings out the faith in all of us. And so this morning, we start at the beginning, walking by faith, and it's to remind us there's nothing that we brought here, and there's nothing that we're going to take. Stop putting our faith and trust in what we see. Stop putting our faith and trust in all the things we're trying to collect because we can't take it with us. But put our trust and hope in God living towards the place I'm going to end up. And when I live like my life is headed towards heaven, you know what happens? You become a reflection of everyone else here and now. In that story, you know, I love with that rescue mission, they had people, they had guys, those scuba divers, those guys with all their gear, what giving their life to do what? To rescue 13 people. They gave their time, their energy, just to rescue 13 people. God's put you here for what? To rescue somebody. God's put you here to rescue somebody. And I think there's all of us in here, we can think of one person, just like in that story, that God's put me here to help at least one. And this week, and then I'm going to tell you the same thing next week. God's put you here next week to help one more, right? God created us for a purpose. And as we reflect heaven on earth, it is the greatest rescue mission of all. It's the greatest rescue mission of all things, the very beginning. Because as we've put our hope and faith in pilots, as we put our hope and faith in friends, if we put our hope and faith that gas, when we put it in the car, it's going to turn on and we're going to get somewhere. As we've put our hope and faith in love and our heart's still been broken at times, it's time maybe to make sure that all of my hope, all my faith, it's directed towards the right place. Let's pray. God, we come to you today and we thank you for beginnings. God, we thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for this beautiful morning. God, it's cold, it's brisk. God, it's wonderful. God, we thank you for this season. God, a winter. God, we thank you that it's a new day. God, it's a new start. God, and even for here, us, it's a new theme, walking by faith. And God, so this morning, we give you this theme. We give you, God, this story. We give you the verses that we've read. God, we pray. God, as we've looked at Job, and we've heard beginnings, and we've heard what he went through and all the horrible things and, and what he did when he lost it all, what did he do? He worshiped because he knew it was a better day. God, his life speaks to us so loud and clear. Stop clinging to what you see and cling to God who we don't because he's going to get us through. God's going to get us through. God can get you through whatever you're going through. With your eyes closed and heads bowed this morning, you know, I know what hard times feels like, and I know what it's like to not be able to pay bills, and I know I've seen so many hard and difficult things in my life in my 46 years, and I'm sure this morning some of you as well. And no matter where you are right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter who's nice to you and no matter who's rude to you, no matter who likes you, no matter who hates you, no matter if you're in love or if you're brokenhearted this morning, there's a God who says, I'm going to get you through till tomorrow. All you got to do is trust me. Just trust me. And so with your eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to give all of us
us this the moment this morning. If we've ever, and if we are right now, currently trusting the things that we see, we trust our cars more than we trust our God. We trust our bank and our ATM cards more than we trust our God. This morning, if you're here and you've put your faith and trust in things that you see, neglecting the God who you can, just lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Because I've misplaced my faith. God, I've misplaced my faith and my trust. God, I came here with nothing and I'm going to leave with nothing. God, so I just lift my hands to heaven and say, God, forgive me as I put my hope and faith and trust in you. God, I put my hope and faith and trust in you that when I understand tomorrow's a brand new day, this moment's a brand new moment. When I pass and when I die, it's going to be a brand new So I place my hand with my life in your hands. God, as I place my life in your hands, help me to be a better reflector of you everywhere I go. God, this week, God, as we watch those little boys get rescued, God, help us to go out and to rescue people this week. God, help us to do our part to be kind and gracious and giving and serving to the community that we live in. God, help us to be kind to our family and our friends. God, help us to be kind and loving and serving and giving to every single person who's in our life and who's in our circle. God, we give you this week, and may this week be a great reflection, like Job of our faith, that we're going to worship every day no matter what happens. We're going to worship every day no matter what happens. And then I'm going to rescue people, and I'm going to show them how great you are. God, help us as we leave here today to walk by faith in you and not by what we see god but faith in you alone we lord we love you we praise you in jesus name amen